KPFA Radio presents Hard Knock Radio, a drive-time hip-hop talk show. Hosts Davey D and Anita Johnson give voice to issues ignored by the mainstream while planting seeds for social change. Please enjoy this episode of Hard Knock Radio that previously aired live on KPFA Radio. What up, everybody? Davey D, host of Hard Knock Radio, hanging out with you this afternoon. Today, on this episode... We are going to have an in-depth discussion about the pros and cons of artificial intelligence, often referred to as AI. The particular angle that we want to focus on is how artificial intelligence will affect people in the music and entertainment industry. We have an incredible roundtable of industry groundbreakers and experts they include Chea Coker. You know him for his work um, with Marvel Studios. He's chief writer for the series Luke Cage. He's also um, written for Creed Two, And we also know him for his work around the film Notorious, which chronicles the life of the Notorious B.I.G. He's also the former music editor for the Los Angeles Times. Joining him is Domingo Padilla. Domingo's list of artists that he has produced is extensive, much longer than I can rattle off. But among the people that he has produced hit records for, they include Big Pun, Rakim. Um, who else does he have? I want to say Method Man. Um, and a whole lot more. He also owns a distribution and marketing agency called Media Famous. We have Quincy Phillips. He is our go-to guy in Silicon Valley. He is uh, a former, well, he's currently managing a number of professional athletes and artists, but he's also consulting with everybody from Google to Apple, you name it, in Silicon Valley around the issues of diversity and inclusion and equity. Um, his company, Lighthouse Silicon Valley, is a go-to um, resource and just um, a, a landing place for many people trying to find their way throughout the valley. And last but not least, we have Melissa Alto, Negron Alto. She's been in the music business or the entertainment field for a very long time. Um, she does set design. She's a filmmaker, a film editor, and somebody who uh, has been aggressively engaging artificial intelligence in some of the work that she does. With that being said, let's turn it over to our roundtable. All of us have seen or heard um, rap songs, for example, that have been like, how'd you get Tupac to do a, a song with uh, Nat King Cole? And they'd be like, well, it was made with AI. And others have been like, man, how did LeBron James get to stand next to Malcolm X? Oh, that was AI. Um, so that's the fun thing, you know, how did Davey D troll everybody with these magnificent pictures when their teams have lost? <laughs> it's been through AI, right? But on a more serious note, um, our guest, one of our guests, Chao Coker, uh, you are part of an industry as a writer that's on strike right now. And one of the provisions that they're looking at is, will AI technology now take over writers? Because I can tell you as a professor, I have my students doing essays using AI. Now, I play with AI enough to catch them, but this thing is getting good. And so we want to talk about that. What inspired this conversation was uh, Domingo, um, who's our other guest. He's a producer, and for the audience, Domingo's reputation as a producer is a stellar one. Uh, many of us know him for his work with Big Pun, but he has everybody from KRS-One on down who he's been produced, and he likes to call himself everybody's favorite Puerto Rican. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he also has his own uh, label distribution which he games up a lot of people on what they need to do to the industry. And it was online that I saw him put up a warning, like artists, check your contracts, make sure 
that you have all your I's and T's um, uh, dotted because you don't want to see the record labels all of a sudden take your image and say, we don't need you in AIU the way that they have done streaming. Uh, we have Quincy Phillips, who is with Lighthouse. Um, I want to say production, but it isn't. <laughs> what is it, Quincy Phillips? Lighthouse Silicon Valley. Lighthouse Silicon Valley. So they do a lot of equity and um diversity work, um, a lot of consulting. Uh, Quincy keeps his uh, eyes and ears down on the ground in Silicon Valley and will be able to really let us know what is happening with AI. And then lastly, we have filmmaker, editor, somebody who's also in this industry and been with hip hop for a very long time. We just had you on recently. Her name is Melissa. Melissa, I don't want to butcher your name because I already butchered everybody else's. Okay. So, <laughs> go ahead. Um, Melissa Negron Alto. There you go. Melissa Negron Alto. Um, and so I wanted to bring all you all on because you all are creative people. And uh, I wanted to find out how you are feeling about artificial intelligence. Uh, let me start off with you, Q, um, in Silicon Valley. How big is AI right now? Is it is it a side project? Is it like the major thrust that everybody's talking about? Is it overhyped? And is there a danger that we should be watching for? It's definitely not overhyped. Um, and it's, it's surely one of those thrusts guess you are using those terms, um, you know, that virtual reality, all of those things, which again, together is even, you know, more powerful as we think about uh, the potential that it has in it. But yeah, it's, it's been going on for, for years. I mean, I think, you know, um, some of your, your listeners as well, I, I spent time at Google, you know, so even as we were doing development in those things, we, we were already um, ideating and, and knew that we can go into this one part of Google um, to see what was coming next. Uh, and a big, you know, role even in Lighthouse right now, uh, we started to understand like who was not in the room. Again, I'm, I'm the one black dude in Silicon Valley. So if I'm just in the room, it surely isn't a, you know, more of me in there. Um, and I'm coming at it from one, you know, lens or viewpoint. So that's surely not enough. Uh, I definitely bring the South Side of Chicago with me. But but again, in that room, I know I'm showing up in a, a specific place. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's big. Uh, we are catching up. I think once you start to see anything, then you know it's too late. Right. There's that that feel, you know, that's to it. It's a lot of money that's in there. Um, I'll be joining a, a, a regional leadership group around uh, AI, you know, that, that has Google and some other folks that are there. Uh, we in Lighthouse are also looking at, you know, um, the health equity around it. So so even as we talk about this one side. There are just so many other, you know, pieces that are attached to AI, wearable devices, health things. Um, so really looking at disrupting the barriers and ensuring that we're a part of it. So, yeah, I think the big answer. Yep, it's a lot, um, a lot that we don't know just yet in terms of the awareness, general public. I think what you're seeing right now has how it affects the entertainment world and everything else, uh, academia, research as well. Very, very, very uh, scary uh, times ahead. Okay, appreciate that. And I was going to ask you, because we're talking about it in the lens of entertainment, but it's being used in a lot of things. So um, I guess my question, before I bring everybody else in, I have students that want a shortcut. They don't want to read the chapter, and they want to put it in AI. Now, I catch them, and I show them in class, like, hey, if you use AI and write this lecture, it's not going to tell you everything that's in the chapter. Let me show you, you know? And I try to explain to them, if you want to use it, read the chapter, write your essay, and then have AI grammatically correct your essay so I don't have to do it, right? That it could be good for. It might give you some guidance points. Go ahead, look at those guidance points, but make sure it's right because a lot of times it'll make up stuff, at least, you know. Yes. I And and so there's, there's a number of students, maybe y'all are listening, who got failing grades because they insisted on doing AI after they were shown that. But with that being said, um, some of us are using it to make pictures, right? Some of us are using it to make music, write rhymes, you know, maybe write a story. And I could be like Cheo, I could be a screenwriter in Hollywood, you know, I, I mean, and, and some of that becomes kind of scary. Um, but it also has its limitations. And I'll let people speak to that. 
But what are the other arenas that people are using it in? Because it seems like these are the distractions while the real work with AI is going on. Are the police using it? The military using it? You know, are banks using it? I mean, you know, there might be some other things that are going on that we really need to keep our eye on. Yeah, I would say all of the above. Yeah. yeah. Every place that you're not even thinking of. Most definitely are spending time, have a lot more capacity and a budget, you know, to to go down that path. So, you know, just speaking out from this side, yeah, there are a lot of inquiries coming from every sector, right, on on how they can can use this. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm sure we let other folks, you know, chime in as well, but most definitely. Yeah. Okay. Cheo, um, I'm not going to get into the whole business of the writer's strike in Hollywood because there's a lot of levels and that's a whole other show. But the thing that caught me was uh, fellow writers like yourself, mm -hmm. your fellow writers are like, we don't want this AI or they want some provisions or protections around it. Can you kind of break it down as to what we're looking at from your standpoint with, with regards to that? Absolutely. The thing about AI is speed kills. So what happens is that it's able to render in an imperfect, imperfect way so incredibly quickly that that's why there's the fear in terms of screenwriting of just basically having AI spit out a bad script in 25 seconds and then having somebody say, OK, now we want you to rewrite this or do that. Not only are you removing a level of creativity, you're also basically empowering the wrong people to make creative decisions that then eliminates and, and ultimately affects an entire system of, of, you know, the way things were done. And so some people will say, well, well, that's, that's good. Um, but you know what it is? It's kind of like, um, imagine Clyde, Clyde Stubblefeld, you know, the drum. funky drummer, right. you know what I'm saying? And, um, when you listen to the whole record, Funky Drummer, like there's the nuance in terms of the entire record. I mean, you know, James is doing James's thing. It has no lyrics, call the law, the devil's son-in-law, and it's kind of riffing. And then it comes down to this one second. And then, you know, what happens is that when they put out In the Jungle Groove and that record comes out, you know, because I'm just going all the way back to the vinyl. I think Funky Drummer's second, second record, you know, second song in. And you've got the whole seven, seven and a half minute song. And it gets to that one sweet part. And what happens is that, you know, Harry Winder or somebody else at Polygram comes up with the bonus beat reprise, which is they actually make the perfect loop. Right. They wanted it to kind of be a dance thing. But what they inadvertently invented was the perfect drum loop. And then all of a sudden, once that comes out and once, our generation does what we do with samplers and doing things in a way that it was never meant to be. And then that becomes the sound of hip hop. Class Summerfield only got paid probably 500 bucks or $300 for that one session with James. And wow. then the rest of it became whatever it is. Now that grain, that beat, that moment has expanded into a multi-billion dollar industry that is no piece of other than doing his little drum workshops and everything's like that. But like, that's kind of what happens because you know, when we were doing it with hip hop, we just meant it like we love that sound. I remember the first time I was watching um, MTV Raps and it was Dre and Dre that lover. It was the first time I'd actually see like Dre put that like, you know, he would now nowadays, you, you know, on, on Rock the Bells, I call it salute the sample. Back then they were just kind of playing around with, you know, right. and then he put the record on it and I heard it. And I was just, it blew my mind. And I just spent the next like week trying to go to all these different record stores to find, finally finding the jungle groove. And I guess what it is with AI is that exact, every mix, every screenwriter or every writer, Claude Stubberfeld, you know, it basically eliminates an entire level of, of creativity, not only in terms of the creativity, but also financially. Um, there's just moments where it's not, it should be a tool that helps, but the way that it's going to be exploited can go in all these different directions that 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 have that it was never intended to. I mean, to me, I, I kind of me being an old animation fan, I, I liken it to Fantasia and the Sorcerer's Apprentice in right. the brooms. You know what I'm saying? Like Mickey Mouse was too lazy to you know to bring water from the well, so he you know 
animates the brooms and they and they start bringing water. He falls asleep. There's too much water. He 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 takes the axe and he splits the broom. And instead of making one problem, he makes a million problems. But there's no sorcerer that's going to come down and fix this. This technology has a way of replicating itself in ways that people can't anticipate anymore. And when you have people in politics who are now willfully changing the truth and you can't even trust video or audio anymore because of how the levels of manipulation, like I saw the um, the new Indiana Jones movie last night and they have a, not to spoil it too much, but they have an, an opening sequence with a young Indiana Jones and they were able to use AI to basically look at old footage of un, old unused footage of Harrison Ford from the last crusade as the visual reference. And they were able to render it on his face and he acts through it, but they, they changed everything. What you saw in the Irishman was kind of like the, wow. you know, the, the school, like the, um, the playground version. This version of it is like, it's it's the college version <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just it's so incredibly well rendered what's being fought for now with actors is that you know you're not even gonna have the ability to die anymore because what's gonna happen is that they will literally be able to animate you in a photorealistic way having you do anything they want you to do. And then at the same time, use the audio tools to then do references of every single time. And if you're Harrison Ford, how many hundreds of millions of hours of, right. of conversations has he had? You can have AI basically sift through every single conversation Harrison Ford has ever had. And then basically you can type in a sentence and it will see, will say that sentence as Harrison Ford and then animate his picture, and then you can make Harrison Ford movies till the cows come home if he has signed away those rights that, that Domingo's talking about right. on the music side, on the film side. So I, I, I appreciate that. I'm going to hold that thought there, um, uh, Cheo, because um, that kind of leads into what I wanted to bring Domingo in about. Um, Domingo uh, Padilla, you were the uh, inspiration for this conversation when you made that post, which mm -hmm. generated a lot of response which was, hey, man, you all better check your uh, <laughs> your thing. Now, being in the music industry, right? I remember at um, Coachella when everybody was caught off guard when Tupac was made into a hologram and showed up. And mm -hmm. on one hand, yep. people cheered because we love Tupac out here. And it was like, he's back. And then everybody's like, wait a second. <laughs> Would Tupac ever even wanted to be on the same stage with the artists out of there? You know, I mean, it became a whole other thing. And there were a lot of concerns. But now, at the tip of the tongue, you know, I can get a picture of Tupac. We can make a record with him. We can do the things that Chael just described. And you've been in this industry long enough to see how people have inadvertently signed their rights away to perpetuity yep. as Chao initiated. And so being in the position that you are as a producer and somebody who's distrib you know, distributing the music, what, do you, what is your fear and how do you see this AI thing going? Well, first, I think, I think AI is actually an amazing thing if it gets used the right way. Um, and it's a dangerous thing because it can get to a point where I, DVD murdered Chao on this date and it's not you saying it, but it's your voice. And somebody can manipulate it to where you just admitted to a crime. You know what I'm saying? So that's the dangerous part to me. But as far as the artist, what, what I posted, I meant because actually who sparked that thought to me that day, I was, it was going to sound crazy, but I was on a phone call with Cannabis hmm. for like three hours. Cannabis the rapper, just so people. Yeah, cannabis the rapper. Yeah, yeah, cannabis the rapper. Yes, and you know he's very intelligent. He's very way ahead of the game. He actually showed me something yesterday that blew me away. Him in AI form, and it blew me away. And, and and he said, he said, Domingo, I'm gonna show you where this is going. He's been he's been on to AI for a while, for mm -hmm. a very while. He he's he put me up on. Like the metaverse way before the metaverse was around. You know what I'm saying? So when I seen that, when, when he spoke to me about it a few days, you know, a few days ago, I said, Yeah, but what's gonna happen is record companies, the same way um Drez is suing Universal 
for $750 million because there was no language about streaming. Even though it said unforeseen media, which could mean streaming, we'll split 50-50. That's actually in the contracts. So you're giving the label more power over you than you have over yourself because they're going to put in those contracts. You better believe they're going to put in those contracts that they, you know, the part where it says we can use your likeness or whatever, you know, and, and will you leave it? Oh, we can use your likeness or whatever for, for marketing. We can use your likeness and your AI, your, your AI voice, your DNA. Actually, cannabis told me it's called the DNA voice. A voice DNA. Am I right, Quincy? Is there something like that? Voice DNA? Yeah. Yeah. He so, just nodded. Yeah. Yeah. Cannabis yeah. told me about it. They're going to put in there where they can use your voice DNA where they get a sentence. Like they could, like, like if we recorded in the studio, they could take you talking, the acapella, and now generate your voice. So that's what's going to happen. If And if artists don't, if artists put it, if they have a good lawyer, because believe it or not, a lot of these lawyers are in cahoots with the labels. Right. So they'll talk you into giving your life away and say it's a good, it's happened to me. When I did my publishing deal in 95 with Jelly Bean Benitez, I didn't know I signed where he collects for life. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? Because my lawyer just wanted his check. So what the artist got to do is demand for the lawyer to go, yo, no AI. They cannot do artificial intelligence. And if they do, it all belongs to me, 100%. Right. They better talk to Ice Cube because Ice Cube said, I will sue anybody and everyone if I hear yeah. or get a peep of my voice next to something I didn't create. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and, and that, that not to interrupt, but just like, yo, no. you, you, you're blowing my mind with, with this. But like Drez's lawsuit, I think, is going to be incredibly important. And yes, and it's important um, from a legal standpoint is yes. that because he because he has the contract in writing. And the language, you know, floor as the precedent saying that he would share in that new technology, the labels have to be terrified because what happens is that it this will not go away because Ed, no. you, you got to look at what happened with college sports with Ed O'Bannon, because once Ed O'Bannon right. was finally able to, it took, took years, but once he was finally able to do that, it that. Yeah precedent was able you know now college athletes are getting paid and now the whole system has changed now imagine what happens with every single artist if if drez is able to um win that lawsuit and the settlement like trust me like they would probably have to try to settle that for hundreds of millions of dollars rather than have it yeah because otherwise the precedent they, they, they would have to go back in perpetuity like you know it would make peanuts out of you know, Bob Dylan and, and Bruce Springsteen selling their publishing for right, um, right. because every single artist who signed those contracts and, and, will do the same and, thing. And that's that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, I was gonna say, and that's why a lot of that's why a lot of artists, I mean I'm sorry, a lot of labels and, and publishing companies are buying up the artist catalog because now they'll have a thousand percent control over it and you won't be able to do nothing because you sold it to them. So now in those contracts, they can do whatever they feel like because, hey, they bought it. So a lot of the artists really don't care, the older guys. But see, with Drez, Drez is sparking a revolution with artists that, like, I, I, I'm very close with Cool G Rap. Very, very close. I swear to you, I done beat this in his head plenty of times. Like, yo, bro, you've been out 30 years. Take your music back. You can take your masters back. But these 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 older artists, they don't chase it until AI comes out. Then they're gonna be mad. But they could have chased it. They could have got 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 a hold of it. And right. the unfortunate thing, like Dred said, it's in the contract. But Universal Music is not gonna call you and go, "Hey, I got fifty percent for you." They're not doing it. Yeah, I can tell you that for sure. You know, having worked in some of these industries where money's generated. And I be and I'll see some yeah. artists and go, hey man, you know, there's a check waiting for you, and they didn't even know there was a check. But let's, uh, I'm gonna bring in Melissa. Melissa, um, you've been in this industry for a long while, and you know, mm -hmm. when you've been doing lighting and staging, as well as editing, you know, the technology I can only imagine has been helpful 
when you can sequence lights at the touch of a button, you know, when you can edit now, um, you know, if we, you know, once upon a time you had to go to a, a film room and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Then, then you had Final Cut and, and all that. Yeah. yeah. So cuts on your fingertips. Yes. <laughs> so well, it's a, it's completely different now. Um, I mean, a, AI has it's it's kind of interesting. Like when people talk about AI and um, machine learning and all this stuff, like this stuff has been going on since the '80s to some degree. It's just accelerating now at a, at a ridiculous pace. But you have the ability now to do um, uh, things like using AI for um, transcription and premiere. Um, you can also use it to do uh, all of your multi-clipping for all your cameras. Something that would take you know, a long time for an editor to do, now you have the ability for AI to auto automate that process. So um, you have the ability to um, do generative fill in not only in images, but in, like, in video. I can get rid of entire areas with a simple click of a mouse now. So, um, but it's not 100% perfect. And you can tell when AI is used to some degree, it takes, um, you're still gonna need digital artists, you're still gonna need editors to finesse, and this is a new tool set or an, uh, an advanced tool set. You're gonna need artists to finesse and work with those tools because on their own, I mean, as you see with AI art, it's, it's uh, hit or miss and it could be pretty hilarious. Um, but you still need that human interaction because you need taste, you need culture, you need context, you need all of this extra information that AI can only do so much because AI doesn't have lived experience. And now it's starting to iterate on itself, particularly with, with images like in mid-journey and stable diffusion. The content is now referencing not, not only external art, but art that it's been generating for the last few years and is getting really weird looking, really weird looking. <laughs> Right. But at the same time, I can be like combine Picasso's art with, uh, you know, Gordon Parks and Andy Warhol and get something that's spectacular. But then to me, that's my creativity. Right. Right. That Because I had to look up Andy Warhol and I had to look up Gordon Parks and go the way Gordon Parks will shoot in black and white and the way Andy Warhol will color. And to me, I liken it to being a producer, I, I don't want to say I'm a producer in front of uh, Domingo, but I would imagine, you know, <laughs> let me get this James Brown sample. Let me get this Prince scream. Let me get this, you know, Clyde Stubblefield thing. And all of a sudden I'm creating something that's new. You know, that's how it's I a like remix. To think of it. It's a remix, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so to me, that seems to be a good thing. And I would imagine in my well, mind, it just means that everybody has to step up their creativity game. No? Yes and no. It's a good thing um, in that you have the ability now, if you don't have the capabilities to create um, fantastic art, you know, digital art, video art, whatever it is on your own, now you have the ability to do that very quickly. However, taste is still important because there's lots of stuff being generated that it, that, you know, technically works it you know it, it it's functional you can see it but it's just terrible it's like it's it, it's an awful image or it's off, you know it's just a terrible taste or you know it just doesn't it's or maybe it's just not my taste and i just think it's awful right. but um the the other element is that there is a backlash from artists in particular that are saying i don't want my art being referenced in ai because i don't want it to be used as a reference point for other people's art. And then we're getting into this conversation because, you know, the Warhol um, estate and uh, lost recently to the Prince estate about that, you know, that photograph and, and the image um, being used in Warhol art. So that becomes a fair use conversation. And fair use is something that, you know, in content creation, editing, filmmaking, particularly in documentary filmmaking, that's like something that we really rely on because a lot of the stuff we're using is either public domain or it's um, twisted, you know, edited enough, remixed enough so that it's somewhat original. But as with the Warhol case, as you see, that doesn't, that's not the case anymore. So yeah. now we're getting into an area where can an artist say, if I'm making an iteration of their work through AI and, you know, let's say I tweak it even a little further, is that my work? Is it a fair use representation of Warhol, Gordon Parks, and let's say James Brown in one image? You know, photography style, uh, filter style, and 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 um, content like the image. Let's say it's James Brown 
you know, um, as a Gordon Park's photo affected in the Warhol way, right? But, what but what me, does that look like? But and, let me ask and who you owns th- that? Let me ask you this, though, and anybody can jump in. Uh, nothing is new under the sun, right? And we are all influenced by something that we see. The example that I like to use is let's say you walk out this building and fall down a flight of stairs and break your leg. And I'm inspired to write a whole song about it, you know, and do a picture. Cheo does a whole movie about it. You know, Melissa fell down and <laughs> broke her leg. And Domingo does a song, right? Right? And and then we may reference, you know, other things. Well, Melissa fell down like Humpty Dumpty. And Cheo's like, uh, right. you know, uh, Melissa fell down like the walls of Jericho, right? And Domingo may find, you know, a song where they talk about falling and reference that, right? So we're, right. we are referencing stuff. And we're creating something that's new, but it seems like it's going to be stifling if we come along and go, well, you have to get permission from Melissa to mm-hmm. even write about her lifestyle of falling down the stairs. Right. And right. then we have to pay the publisher. If you make reference to Humpty Dumpty and Chao can't reference <laughs> the wall of the Jericho. And then it becomes like, well, who owns what, you know? Right. I, I mean, it's to me, it seems like one should, it, it forces everybody to be more creative. Right. Well, but, but, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, my argument, what I don't like about this new generation of hip hop versus, you know, what I consider the golden age from, you know, 87 to 97 is this new hip hop lacks a certain level of melody. And that's because it became too expensive, you know, for people to, you know, sample anymore. Now that we're going through our own version of understanding, I have a different understanding of why the Turtles got pissed at De La Soul on one hand, you know, but as a fan, I know that De La Soul elevated a snippet of a forgotten record and made something that was indelible and beautiful and, you know, and, and, but I think where the two should meet is there has to be a way for everybody to participate because the turtle was short-sighted. Had they not overreacted and said, hey, instead of suing and trying to take everything down, said, hey, like, if you just give us a little piece of this, they might have, I mean. Well, look, they, what Fle- look what Fleetwood Mac did. Yeah. They were able to come back because somebody creatively rode a skateboard and drank a, 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 a cranberry juice. Yeah. And reminded people like that Rumors album was a damn good album because I sure as hell wasn't thinking of no Fleetwood Mac until I heard it. And I was like, man, I got to go back and listen to that album. Exactly, exactly. So so I think that's really the thing. All anybody really wants to do is participate. And um, I can reference this from the film and television side, but I think it's true of music and everything else, is you just have to let people be able to to participate. Just, just have a piece of it. Perfect example is like, Barry Gordy. When Barry Gordy sold Motown for $63 million, at the time, it seemed like all the money in the world. But we realize now that even though that became the root of Polygram, which became whatever company it is now, that was nothing. But, but the real brilliance of what he did was that he, he, he retained his publishing. Mm. And, you know, he saw that the bricks and mortar, he wasn't going to make as much money off of that. But as long as he retained the publishing, the Motown songs, we're going to keep going. And on one hand, yes, Gordy made a lot of money from that. But then on the other hand, because you had kids in the 60s, you know, who just wanted to, to come on and they basically got those Jelly Bean Benitez contracts, you know, like they didn't participate in the way that they should have. And so now everybody is savvy about everything. And so now it's really just more of a question of don't stifle creativity, but there has to be a way for people to you know, participate. Because even if I go to the grocery store and buy something, like the grocery stores get, get a piece of that profit, they take my money, but somebody, you know, like it's 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 distributed right. in a way. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hard Knock Radio, the podcast, we will be right back. KPFA Radio is a community-powered, listener-supported radio station based in Berkeley, California. We are able to bring you this content through donations and support from our listeners, Please consider supporting KPFA through a donation by visiting www.kpfa.org donate. And now let's get back to the program. 
Welcome back to our podcast, Hard Knock Radio. We're going to continue with this episode. It's interesting, you know, going, as I'm thinking, like, my wife hates the AI, right? She sees my pictures, like, I have people that want to buy the stuff I've made. And she's like, I hate it. I think it's whack. And it's like, you're going to be a hater. It's like, I'm going to be a grade A hater. Because, you know, I learned about some of the artists that I referenced through her. You know, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't know about this Riri uh, Templeton. I didn't know about that. So I go and look at them. And then I reference and she's like, well, Riri's dead. And do, does so-and-so know that you reference they art? You know, you should call them up and tell them that this picture is really, ba you know what I mean? So she's more of like, in your thing, everybody got to got to be a piece of the pie. Shared ownership. Share, shared, shared ownership. I mean, and that's the, the the problem that we're having because what someone's genius is, like you're making me cringe through this whole conversation. I mean, again, I'm, I'm like, no, it's not good. What you're talking about still isn't good. The essence is being lost, right? We're losing substance, you know, each time it, it steps away from it. But I think it is. It's the shared ownership. And that's even where we're at in the how so many people are jumping into it, whether it's entertainment or some other field. The the question of that shared ownership, if it if it's stated, if it's understood, how but if, we I'm, but if you're using it, thirty different things, is it shared ownership or are you just taking resources that exist and then creating something new? But are you thinking about an old capitalistic way or system, right? Or do we now with this have the opportunity to create a new one? Right. I mean, you keep to me referencing some old stuff that, yeah, how do we make it? How do we make money now? Let me just grab this and mix this. And man, they might like it. They like it. I love it. But the, that same system is the problem that created the inequities that we continue to see now. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out how we address or, you know, that part. And I think what we're all talking about, that collective partnership, ownership and understanding of it. Right. With the lessons learned of before. It's like, but, yeah, but, man, we started but, with the funky drummer. But, but they get paid. But, we know but, it. But in theory, we're supposed to be able to execute our ideas a lot more easily. So I am not a painter. All right. And so I know I'm thinking. And why like, are right, you not a painter? There's not, skills <laughs> and check that like, there's things that it takes. And it feels like you try to do this cheat code thing, which is another generational <laughs> thing that's losing it. So you're like, let me create this popcorn stuff. OK, let's put it in. But, but, this, is, but, but this is what they said. You sound like I'm old enough to I'm going to pull out my age card now. I'm old enough, young man, to remember <laughs> when we started mixing records. There were musicians that came out and said, y'all are just taking our stuff and you're not really going into the studio and thinking of this melody. I don't care if you are doing this turntable thing that y'all are doing. That's not real music. I heard people say that all throughout the 70s and the 80s. And then when we started sampling, it became even worse, right? But as far as I'm concerned, the Domingos of the world and others, the premieres, were artists in their own right. They had a vision and they were able to take existing material and create something new. And I feel that, you know, as a DJ, I'm taking existing material and I'm creating art with my mixes, you know? And yeah, that, see, see, but I, I, the thing is... This, is, this that, is Chael talking, go ahead. You know, this... This is where I think people have to be future minded. OK, so like you are mixing something and all of a sudden it's like imagine if the soul searchers were business savvy enough to take advantage of Ashley's Roach Clip. Mm -hmm. So they might not have the rights. And but then all of a sudden, once, you know, everything from Jack the Ripper to um, paid in full references this one moment. Imagine if the band was still together and then they were able to tour on that and they were able to, you know, do things because, you know, from with a live gate and, and get out there. And then at the same time, uh, you know, really the best version of it is one of my favorite stories in all of hip hop, which is which is when Aerosmith came to the studio with Run DMC to make Walk This Way. Run DMC didn't even barely knew who Aerosmith was. All Jam Master J knew was. There was a song called, he used to call, the name of the album was Toys in the Attic. Right. And all he knew was, was that the beat on Toys in the Attic, that first, doom, da, da, doom, doom, da, that was Walk This Way. That's all he knew. Yeah. 
was he would just use that beat constantly all the time. And so when they come to the studio, he's like, who are these guys? And then, and, and then the whole, the whole thing about like run DMC doing their lyrics from the actual record and not doing their own lyrics, but doing it in a hip hop way, all of a sudden, you know, that record comes out, Run DMC goes to New Heights. Aerosmith is completely resurrected. The reason that Aerosmith is a hundred million dollar touring band and made all their money is because of Run DMC. But they were ready for what happened, and they didn't get closed minded. They, you know, about it. They were able to 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 appreciate the new generation. Well, you, but at the you same make, time like feed it often in a different way. But you and make so my, I, I you think make, we, we, have, you, we have to we have to be able to, as equally as open minded. You know, you you make my point, Chael. When the when when the iron strikes, you got to have avenues of hustle. I'll you as a writer, people have taken my articles and even my interviews and put them up on YouTube and you know ran them. Mm-hmm. And you know I can look at it and be like, nah, take that down. But you know what? Those Tupac interviews that I did, you know, I've been able to license them all over the place. Because mm-hmm. of the exposure. Some of the writing has gotten me gigs because I wasn't in Toronto, but people seen that, right? So I think you do always got to position yourself that once you enter into the industry of commerce, right, which is like you are selling your creativity, other people are going to feed off that creativity and kick it down the road. I can't get mad if you are inspired by something I do and make a billion dollars off it, or, or, or should I? Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's that's the thing. It's it's like I mean, I never threw out an interview tape, so I've got hundreds of hours of interviews now, right. and so like people have gold just laying around their house, yeah. and I think people have to start thinking about different ways to um, use that. And I think for on, on the artist standpoint, like technology has kind of changed everything. So, for example, what used to take you hours or days. Um, with a photograph now with an Instagram filter, you can just render it immediately, you know, and um, TikTok has, has, has forever changed film language because now you've got your average person like, like, you know, I used to always love these things where they would, where somebody does something and they, and they, and they put the camera over and, they, and they're, they're wearing something different and all that stuff. That's jump cutting. That's, you know, people used to have to go to film school to learn how to do that shit. And right. people are just doing it naturally on 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 they're they're doing you know four or five years worth of film school techniques with a song just automatically on their own language that says to me that a filmmaker then can take their creativity that that is you know that's that is major to me they can take that simple thing and mm-hmm. take it to the next level i want to bring domingo in and also i had a question for you q q um Quick question. We're talking about, you know, the renderings and things that are happening and they don't always look in uh, the way that they're supposed to. Has AI advanced where they can absolutely duplicate things to the T? Is there like a version of AI that has not been released to the public where they can make this conversation like we look exactly the way that we do? We sound exactly the way that we do. In other words, are they do we have just the basic version and there's some billionaires, which is where my concern would be. They get the pro version where everything is accurate to the T. Then that's like, okay, then is inequality. Why do you get the pro version? And I don't. Yes. And as we say out here, yeah, most, most definitely we've, we've played with things well before they are, they are out there. Um, I mean, they are definitely technical and, um merits to that right you know folks tinkering we are trying to to have the best minds who have you know focused entire lifetimes on this stuff in those rooms trying to ideate it get it better so that it can reach the public at that point um yeah i i I think you've probably read around things where police have gotten you know or justice systems have gotten into you know some of these systems before it came out so yes and there is a lot more like i was talking about earlier started the conversation with virtual reality and all these other things it's it's labs literally everywhere stanford northwestern my alma mater right like there they are all these labs everywhere and we're connected right like they are connected with 
Google. They are connected with Microsoft. Like you will, if you read the tea leaves, right? If you go on these sites, you will see something, something, something Microsoft, right? But you will end up seeing some of the biggest institutions that are there, which are also funded and connected to the federal government, right? right. So especially as we get into these academia research institutions, that is just the pipeline to the government right and so they they have total access so right. there are rooms that i have not been in um that i know exist uh at, at federal levels as well so yes and more you you reminded me i was once asked to uh be a part of a trial and what was interesting in the trial um the the defendant or, or yeah the defendant had a uh, a video that the police had and it was blurry and you couldn't tell. And, you know, and the police are like, we have a camera that's on this corner and, you know, John Doe walked by the corner and, you know, they're like, look at his shoes and all that. But apparently John Doe had done something. So the federal government got involved and the federal government had a camera that was crystal clear. Right. It was like the feds have their own camera. And and so they showed it. I remember they showed it in court. And it was like, you know, like there's the mark on his forehead. There's a food in his teeth. And it's like they had these satellite type cameras that we didn't know were <laughs> surveilling. Will people. Smith, so, the enemy yeah. of the state. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Minority report. Yeah. Oh, this is, right. this so, that's so like, to your point, that's like two decades ago. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my point is, is that, you know, you confirmed it, that there is a pro level. And I guess we should be very concerned about the pro level and whether or not nefarious actors are using that pro level version of AI, because we might not even know um, what's going on. Uh, Domingo, I want to ask companies you. Have, let me just say this last statement. Yeah. Tech companies have their own um, apps that are ideated before the public. So even let's take it to Microsoft Word. There's versions of that that the public don't even see yet. So uh, everything that you see out there, there are versions within those companies where just those employees have access to tinkering and toying with the next level of things to come. Can we get copies of that? Can you hook us up? Can you, can I, I cannot, because you have to have that company <laughs> device, for sure. And they surely take it away from you afterwards. Uh, Domingo, Melissa, and Che, I'll start off with you, Domingo. Let's yep. come back to basics. We're all hip-hop folks, and so is Q. But it's about creativity, and the, and the one who's most creative gets to win the game. And we have never allowed technology to be something that we're scared of. In fact, with right. everybody else that was, and was like, I'm going to take this technology, I'm going to flip it to the next level. You're a producer. You mm -hmm. should be, at this point, able to take this AI to the next level. Cheo <laughs> is hip-hop, right? We know he's a writer and right. all that, but you're supposed to, Cheo, be able to take those interviews that are sitting in your thing right now and be able to create some epic movie and do something creative and maybe even take into account what Quincy was saying, you know, make it equitable for everybody. Melissa, you, you've been creative. You're supposed to take this to the next level. You said that you've already been doing it. But I, I would argue that at this point in time, we're at a point where we should be able to, with all the history, take things to unforeseen levels and maybe even own that the, the way in which we do it. I'll start off with you, Domingo, as the producer, because you all are always looking for ways to flip the script. Yeah, I mean, even with AI, it, it, it's it's way ahead of the game. Like I said, because there's I've seen it. There's sites out there that I type in the type of sample I want, and it'll create the sample for you. With with the really? you tell it the type, yeah, you tell it the type of instruments you want. Like let's say you put in, I want a '70s funk soul sample that sounds like James Brown with Clyde Stubblefield playing the drums, and it'll do it. I've seen it. So is, is that cheating or is that just you being creative? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's cheating because because guess what? There's a plugin that a lot of people don't know of called the mouth. It's been out for years. You basically would hum or speak or, or whatever rhythm you want, and the mouth would 
give it back to you as music. So that's probably like the first steps of AI back. I mean, this plugin is maybe more than 10 years old. Hmm. And, but I think it's, it can make a producer more creative because now you're making compositions that are technically your own. Because if it's creating samples that you thought of, those are technically your samples. Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Those are <laughs> yeah, there you go. With the my pictures. Wife, my <laughs> wife my wife disagrees. She's like, Man, you you, you this whack. <laughs> she ain't, she ain't so, feeling it. So 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 like like if you just because you use the description of I want a James Brown sound the sample, it's not James Brown. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, but but so, you might say but your creativity might be, I want James Brown sample. And you, we might not know that Melissa's a drummer mixed with Melissa, you know, Caldon, you know, drumming. Right. And now you have right. a sound and it's like, where'd you get that? Well, you're not supposed to tell people your prompts. You're not supposed to know, like, I know this sister over here is a drummer and I got something unique that I added with James Brown, flipped with Sly Stone yeah. and got something totally creative. Yeah, yeah. Now, Melissa might but, be mad, but, you know, but you shouldn't have put it out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. It's like everything is to a certain degree. If you're putting it out there, somebody's going to reference it because that's the whole point of you putting it out there. You want people to consume your content. At what point do you say, okay, well, you're consuming it, you're remixing it, you're now you're selling it. I think that's the point where when you're putting a dollar point, point on something, you're making money off it. That's where people kind of get a little pressed. Because, okay. oh, well, now you're making money off of something that I maybe am never made money off of. And I don't personally feel that way, but there are, you know, it's, there's like an, an entire catalog of artists who don't have access to um, like decent, you know, decent income and they're the backbone right. of hip hop, right? So right. how do we make sure that everybody gets like, you know, a piece, but also, I mean, like, the other thing that's happening right now is that prompts are starting to get censored. So, and it depends on which, you know, app or AI that you, you go to, you're starting to see censorship happen at like just the prompt level. So right. that becomes like a place where people can um, almost block you from creating content as well. Like, oh, I want these terms now, uh, you know, blacklisted from the AI so that you can, for example, you can't anymore um, make a, a mock image of, um uh elon musk as a baby on a certain platform can't do that anymore it's actually like now blacklisted so then you get a message wow. saying that's an inappropriate prompt and you know we'll right. move on to the next so you know we're really getting into the area where it's like about rights it's about ownership it's about income and it's about fair use and it, that's always been the tension really in in creating and and making the profit off of it right chael you're a writer you have your own style, you know. Many people don't know Chael was a uh, person that did uh, Luke Cage, you know. I wish you could bring that back for like a third season, you know. Make that happen, brother, you know. But, um, but you know, you spend a lot of time writing. Mm -hmm. Oh, now, yeah, every day. But now what I want to do is I want to get Jeff Chang writing, Chael, you know, mix it with some Chael writing, mm -hmm. and maybe some James Baldwin, and now, you know, Dave is like this incredible writer. Is that just me being creative? Do you get mad about it? Or, you know, is this the fear well, that, well, that you may well, have? I mean, here's the thing, okay? Like, everybody has influences. And what you do is you basically try to copy your influences until you create your own voice. But in that period of time, you know, you build the muscles. Like... You know, the reason that boxing is one of my favorite sports is there's only about six different punches, you know, but who really is going to get up and run five, six miles? Who really is going to go to the gym for two and three hours? Who is going to do all the sparring and everything else? Like when you somebody takes off their shirt, you see those muscles. They spent the time. But now imagine if you could just go into like do the do the Captain America thing and just hop in a capsule and come out and then you got muscles immediately, then there's a lot of things <laughs> that are lost in that process. There's a lot of, you know, everyone's trying to get their own version of the, of the super, of the super soldier serum to a certain extent. And when you do that, you, you're losing something in that. 
You know, what I think this is going to do is going to make things that are handmade and done and clearly rendered in a non-AI way even more valuable. Live performance is going to be more valuable. I mean, the reason that a Lamborghini is looked at differently than other cars or certain Porsches is because they're, hand, you know, there are actually like 10 or 15 people that work on a car as opposed to it just being, you know, down an assembly line that's, that's anonymous. And so I think part of it's going to be like, you know, definitely from, I, I'm thinking from a writing standpoint, getting more and more into trying to do Broadway and trying to do things, you know, where you have a precedent that's set where you get a piece of the live gate and you're also giving people an experience that they have to experience in person. That's why you're seeing a lot more stars do Broadway because, you know, like, I mean, I, I think you just have to figure out different ways to flip it and, you, and you, you can't be afraid of any of this stuff. You just have to just figure out, you have to become entrepreneurial. Like you, you unfortunately, from a writing standpoint, you just can't be a writer anymore. But it's no different than back in the day. You could have just been a DJ, but then wait a minute. Okay, now I got to become a producer. Yeah. And and then okay, now I got to be a label owner. Like so, you, you you know you keep having to evolve in order to keep you, doing. We're on the same that, page. You have you know to. that that you love to do. I mean, think about someone like 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 Doctor like Doctor Dre. You know, Dre starts off as a, as a K Day mix master and DJing around the way. You know eventually becomes a DJ, eventually becomes a producer. And then all of a sudden has, you know, has to become a label head for real. And then with the headphones thing, that's where he makes his real money. You know, it turns out it wasn't the um, masters that were worth all the money. It was the culture. It was learning how to exploit the culture in ways to other products that made Jay-Z, Diddy, and all these millionaires, billionaires, I'm sorry. That's what made them the billionaires. It wasn't, you know, hip hop gave them the credibility and gave them the entrepreneurial mindset. But once they applied that to, you know, bricks and mortar, like alcohol and, and clothing and other things, that's where, where they were able to kind of elevate themselves to this new level. And everybody has to, has, has to now figure out their own version of that, you know, because um, we can complain about AI to the moon. There's no putting that genie back in the bottle, yeah. you know, and, and, and it makes what we do you know, whatever creative feel that you have, even that much more important to, to preserve it. And then at the same time, you have to learn how to find things that this thing can't do. And, you know. And keep keep your prompt secret. You, you basically have to become a cast iron skillet. Like, you know, like I love to cook, right? And when you start cooking with cast iron, food tastes different. Like, you know, or if you have like aluminum bands, I mean, it's like, that's the thing is like, you have to find, you know, it's, it's a staple of every kitchen, every real kitchen. You know what I'm saying? So like, how do you become a cast iron skillet? How do you become this thing that no matter how many different ways you, you can, you can, you know, air fry all types of shit, there's going to be one thing in your kitchen that is irreplaceable. And that's what that is, you know? Appreciate that. Chael, how do we get a hold of you or any projects that are coming up that we should be on the lookout for? I'm just constantly in the lab. For me, I just, you know, what Marvel taught me was um, the importance of secrecy, not in terms of being secret about what I'm working on writing, but just like when you talk at length about what you're doing and people can't get it, it's better just to just come out with something when they can go out for it. Okay. And like, you know, so, but the thing is, is I, I constantly tweet. So, you know, Chael underscore Coker at Twitter. Um, I'm on the gram every once in a while, but you know, like for me, it's just, I'm out there and, you know, and trust me on this. If, if, if you talk shit about me on Twitter, I'm, I'm like candy man. You know, I, I hear my name three or four times. I'm right there. I'm the fuck. <laughs> All right. Jay, I appreciate that. Domingo, how do we get a hold of you and any last thoughts on this uh, AI thing? Um, uh, it's uh, Instagram's Beats by Domingo, Facebook Beats by Domingo, uh, MediaFamous.com, Marketing and Distribution. And as far as the AI, like I told you, I think the technology is incredible. I just hope it gets used the right way and not abused the wrong way. Okay. Well, I'm about to make this album tomorrow. I'm going to get some Domingo <laughs> Beats. I'm going to get some Domingo Beats unreleased. I from bet you are. But you know what? I am. 
getting ready to do a big block party, Prince versus Michael Jackson. I need to there talk you to you to get some uh, Domingo beats to, you know, kind of flip in with my Prince mixes. But Let's I'll talk go. to you afterwards. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage. That's why I had you on the show so I could come up. I know. Up that I know. I know. <laughs> Melissa, last thoughts from you? Um, I, I also work with Lincoln Center and I work with them uh, in education. And I'm telling you that while AI is scary to the establishment, to kids, this opens up an entire world for them in ways that they'd never believed. And I think you're going to see a wave of creativity that you're you're, you're going to be blown away um, because we're giving kids these tools really early and they're learning to, you know, they're learning to use them and they're learning to navigate a world with AI in it as part of their mindset. So it's, it's both good and bad. It's scary and, and, and innovative. It's, it, it's definitely the new frontier. Um, and, you know, it all comes down to who has access um, and it's making sure that everybody has access to these tools and, just think about it. Just think about it. Like all the kids um, in, who wanted to go to art school back in the day, and, uh, there was no way that there was, that was ever going to happen. Now you have access to things where like you can create um, art in the style of anything and never have to touch a paint, paintbrush. While yes, you don't have the, the muscles, the flow, you know, maybe even the, the context and culture to understand why oil was used in certain ways. You still have the ability to create something. And if you love it, then perhaps you'll dive back into the actual medium of it. Um, but it's a, I think it's an incredible learning tool. That's or, the they may, or they may create a totally new medium. Exactly. Exactly. You know? It's going to iterate on itself and it's going to iterate on youth and it's going to integrate with, um, I don't know if you six months ago, if you saw the gorillas take over Times Square where they did AR everywhere. Um, and you know, the combination of AR and AI and, and a place like that is like suddenly now with AI, you could put people's faces on some of these AR created characters that are all over the place. Um, there's many applications and it's, I think it's exciting. I'm not scared of it. Um, but you know, also people need to get paid and these people need credit. Appreciate that. And how do we get a hold of you, Melissa? Multo.com, M U L T O.com or Multo Media NYC on Instagram. Multo Media NYC. Q. Um, you started off and you alluded to um, that, you know, there are other things. And Ooh. I want to ask you, as we, as we um, end out, should we be making sure that um, ourselves and definitely our kids are learning how to create AI, AI for themselves versus being on the consumer end? Um, is there a path for that? Uh, should we be creating AI more than just for entertainment, but should we be thinking about how do we create AI to solve cancer or to improve eyesight and do other things like that, you know, put it to these other vast uses that others are doing. If the police are using it, maybe we should do AI to monitor the police in a more efficient way, right? So can you speak to that and let us know how we can get a hold of you all at Lighthouse Silicon Valley? Yeah, most definitely. I would say again, yes, and um, so just to the entertainment and, and all of that. Let's think through the lessons learned of you know our own pain points in these industries. Again, whether it's me being at Northwestern and watching that fight that then led to the NIL, right at O'Bannon, you know, on on the way. Like use our partnerships to figure out these paths, but in everything else, yes, please. Um, we we will be uh, in the fall um, actually producing a live event that then will be uh, broadcast and disseminated at places like Sundance around our first pioneering um, study around artificial intelligence and health equity, right? So wearable devices, all of those things, right? Wow. Um, even barriers, you know, into it. How do we get more of us involved? Things that could be beneficial you know, whether it's cancer or, or, or some of those things, like what are our skin tones? If you find a bump, what does it look like for us, our skin tone, rather than all of the white images that AI is populating to find it, right? So like all of, think about any, any possible area that we have our own unique lived experience, bring that into this field. There's a lot more diversity, you know, uh, things being called out for AI right now. Uh, we are in the midst of that. That's why you're seeing some of the pauses or the, the cause for pausing some of the development. 
this is the time to just jump in. Jump in in any place that you can see. Go to Google, go to Microsoft, go to any of the places that you think they have AI. Jump in there, find some of their internships, apprenticeships. They're all popping up right now. Um, you can find us at Lighthouse Quincy, Q-U-E-N-C-Y, at Lighthouse S as in Sam, V as in Victor.org. Hit me up. That's the best way. Not on my socials because I'm going to block you on that because of AI, right? Um, but, but, or, or Davies prompts. Davies prompts will block you too. But no, thank y'all for allowing us to be a part of this and can't wait for the next one. Yeah. So are you going to get me the, the, the pro level version of this stuff? I'm, I'm not going to. I mean, that's the only that, reason why. That's, that's why you're on the show. You're going to have the Mingo beats on here. Like, no, no, I'm not going to help you. You're going to find a different way. <laughs> if you'd like to find more information on this episode and other episodes that involve Hard Knock Radio, we invite you to do to go to one of two places. One, you can go to kpfa.org. You can also look us up on our Hard Knock Radio website, which is hardknockradio.org. You can also find me, your host, Davey D, at Mr. Davey D at all platforms. That includes Gmail, Instagram, Facebook. So M-R-D-A-V-E-Y-D. Look me up. Holla at me. Peace out, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you want to find more KPFA radio content, log on to www.kpfa.org. Also follow us on social media by visiting Facebook at KPFA 94.1 and Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KPFA Radio. Plus, check out our KPFA TV video content on YouTube and Twitch.tv at KPFA Radio.